several people are out. The Perry family, they have the flu. Uh, others are sick or getting over sicknesses. So glad that you made it today. Uh, a couple of things to pass on to you that'll lead me right into the lesson for today about the Pharaoh in our study on Exodus. Here are some things that you need to just note because it's so important. Do you know that a jiffy is an actual unit of time? I'll be there in a jiffy. Did you know it's an actual unit of time? It has been measured as one one hundredth of a second. I'll be there in a jiffy. Of course, that expresses I'll be there as soon as I can, which is not Hawaiian time. Um, you know that most lipstick, ladies, most lipstick contains fish scales. Did you know that? Yeah. That's why I never use lipstick, fish scales. Um, baseball season is about winding down, getting into the playoffs very soon. How long does a baseball last in a game? I know you're not interested, but this is stuff leading into the lesson today. How long does a baseball last? From the first pitch to the end of the game, the baseball lasts on average seven pitches. And then they toss it out. Umpires also have a bag with several baseballs to bring in a new ball. Seven pitches, I did not know that. And did you know that today, Everyone in Alabama is very tired and sad because Tuscaloosa, the Timberland Tide lost to Texas. So they're all very sad. Did you know that? They're depressed. Their whole city depends upon the wins or losses of their football team. Everyone's sad today. It's very sad. It's like um, the stock market crash from 1929. So depressing. That's what happens when your life is uh, invested in football to that extreme degree. It's a, it's a sport, you know. UH1. UH1, so everybody's happy? Yeah. What was the score? Um, yeah, so everybody's happy in Hawaii. <laughs> All right, those are some did you know? Did you know that Pharaoh, Pharaoh in the Exodus, that Pharaoh, did you know that he had a hard heart? And did you know that there's a real serious question about how come Pharaoh's heart was hardened? Was it because his heart was hardened or was it because God hardened his heart? So those are the things we'll look at today and specifically we'll look at uh, who is at fault as far as Pharaoh having a hard heart, if anybody was at fault. So let's go back to chapter 7 of Exodus. Chapter 7 of Exodus. We'll begin there. Read some verses from the book of Exodus. And I have been fighting how to treat this either go slow take your time go through some of the things that seem to be common to everyone assume that people know these things or just take our time and go through the passage of scripture and then uh, dig out any kind of gold we can so I think I'm going to dig out some gold that we can and then next Sunday I hope to go into the plagues I promised that last week I don't think it's going to happen today maybe but I don't think so so I want to get into the plagues eventually but today I want to focus on one real important subject, and that is the hard heart of Pharaoh. Let's begin in chapter 7, verse number 8. We'll pray first, and we'll start there. Lord, help us to get a blessing from your word. Help us to learn some things, remember some things. Help us, Father, to put aside the things of this world for a little while. Help our minds to be focused on the Bible. And we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to have the strength and health to be here today. Be with those who are absent because of sickness, those who are still recovering from it. We pray that you give them strength. And give us some blessing today from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Chapter 7 of Exodus, verse number 8. Verse number 8. 
this is a reminder about what happened when they were confronting the Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron. Verse number 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. So his rod, his rod, well, let's just say his rod. His rod turned into a snake. All right, that's pretty miraculous. That, or it was just a trick or some using mirrors as a magician might use some technique or some uh, deception to turn into a snake. However, it was a real miracle. Look at verse number 11. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. He said, whoa, will you look at that? And he clapped his hands and in came his magicians and he said, can you guys do that? Now that's reading between the lines. That's just using my imagination to, to show what could have happened in that court of the Pharaoh. And they also did in like manner with their enchantments. So they got their they got their staffs, their pieces of stick, and they threw it down and turned into a snake too. Now there's only two possibilities as to how their sticks turn into snakes. There's only two possibilities. There's only two possibilities as to how Aaron's rod turned into a snake. There's only two possibilities. What's one possibility? One possibility is it was a real legitimate miracle. God turned something that was not alive into something alive. That's one possibility. What's the other possibility? Only two possibilities. God did it. Satan did it. Satan did it. When it comes to the magicians throwing down their rods and it turning to snakes, the other possibility is that Satan actually did it by his power. The other possibility would be when the musicians, music, not musicians, uh, not physicians, but magicians, <laughs> when the magicians threw down their rods, it turned into a snake. It actually was a snake in the first place. Maybe it was in refrigeration, hybrid, oh no. They threw down this stiff looking thing and when he hit the ground, it woke up the snake and the snakes actually turned into a snake, but it was a snake in the first place. To me, it's kind of like a man, a professing man gives birth. Well, that's not physically possible, okay? The only other possibility would be a woman who looks like a man gave birth. That is more likely what happens today when people say, this guy who has a beard, a mustache, she gave birth. See, it proves that we're, no, no, that doesn't prove anything. It just proves that a woman with disguise as a man. So that leads me to think maybe it was cold snakes and then they hit the ground. Well, but that's not really what happened. I think it was satanic power. I think satanic power caused these snakes, uh, these pieces of wood to turn into snakes. Just like it was God power turned Aaron's rod into a snake. So we take it as that. And so this is what happened here. I think it was satanic power and God's power. In verse number 12. For they cast out every man his rod, and they became serpents. But, now that word is important. But, verse 12. Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Which is like saying, okay... No matter how you take this, God's God's rod, God's God's serpent was more powerful than uh, 
these other serpents. Some say it was a king snake, which is able to eat other snakes. Uh, I'm not sure, but I know one thing, that Aaron's rod, which turned into a real snake, ate up the other real snakes. Thus, who is more powerful? This is a hint as to what will happen throughout the plagues. God proves his power is superior because he's the almighty God. And these false gods cannot stand up to uh, the rod of God or the, the serpent that God created out of this. Okay, now look at verse number 13. Here we come. And he, and he, God, hardened Pharaoh's heart that he hearkened not unto them as the Lord hath said. Verse 14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuseth to let the people go. And so you have at the very beginning of chapter 7, this, this heart of Pharaoh was hardened. And it says God hardened his heart. God hardened his heart. Several times in the book of Exodus, you find out that Moses, uh, uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart, and then God hardened his heart. This is a dilemma what is happening with the theism i don't know look at verse 22 7 22 the magicians the magicians of egypt did so with their enchantments and because of that pharaoh's heart was hardened neither did he hearken unto them as the lord had said all right so the water turned to blood the magicians duplicated that. They copied that. They mimicked that. The Pharaoh was convinced, okay, you know what? Why should I let you, the people go? My people can do the same thing. Your God is not superior to my God. And so there's this thing going on where the magicians actually did turn something in. Now, again, people say, well, how can that be? They dispute that the water turned to blood by the hand of uh, Moses. And also they dispute that this blood that the magicians turned into, water into blood, drinking water, it not, didn't really happen like that. They say it was maybe red chalk, red dust. They turned the water into blood, looked like blood. It wasn't really blood, things like that. So there's all kind of excuses that people give as to why a miracle is not a miracle. Could it be also that uh, there were satanic influences and the devil working throughout this too? Remember the devil's a counterfeiter, he's a liar. And he is able to deceive through his subtlety. And people will believe that God is doing something when it's really the devil's part that does something. So that's a factor that is not intellectually acknowledged by people who try to be objective with what has happened. And so Pharaoh's heart was hardened because of that. Chapter 8. Let's go through several verses and see where Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Chapter 8, verse number 15. 8.15 This is about the frogs. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord has said. So the frogs came over all the land and uh, Moses, uh, by the power of God, he brought that. And then we'll get into the details of the plagues. But after he said, okay, 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 uh, I'll let the people go. Just get rid of these frogs. And it's most okay. And so after that, it's called verse 15, respite. After the Lord gave relief from the frogs, after the Lord did that, Pharaoh hardened his heart. After Pharaoh got what he wanted, relief, relief. 
and he turned back to having a hard heart. So it says here in verse 15, he or Pharaoh hardened his heart. Now in chapter nine, uh, I'm sorry, 815, look at verse 19. Another plague, the plague of lice, the Egyptians could not do that in verse 18. In verse number 19, it says, then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord hath said. In verse number 32. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. And so you find that harden, the hardening of the heart, Pharaoh did it, and sometimes God did it. Kind of interesting. Chapter 9, verse number 7. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. All right, the marine came, killed off all the cattle, and they're all diseased, and uh, it, it hardened Pharaoh's heart. Look at verse number 34 and 35. Chapter 9. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart in his servants and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened neither would he let the children of Israel go and so on now um, you find here God hardened his heart and then Pharaoh hardened his heart what is going on it's like on a seesaw in chapter 10 verse number 1 and the Lord said unto Moses go in unto Pharaoh for I have well that's pretty plain I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might show these my signs before him. Verse 20. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go. Look at verse 27. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. One more verse, chapter 11. Verse number 10. And Moses and Aaron, 11.10, did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Well, and then finally, death of the firstborn. But that doesn't end, because Pharaoh's heart was so hard, he had to chase after the Hebrew people through the Red Sea, to get them to recover them and in chapter 14 verse number 8 it says this finally it led to Pharaoh's death 14 8 and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt and he pursued after the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with a high hand all right verse 9 uh, 10 11 12 okay so, and then Pharaoh drowned in the Red Sea along with his army. All of that because his heart was hardened. The question, the answer, hopefully, was his heart hardened because of himself? Or was his heart hardened because God hardened his heart? What is the dilemma here? Who is responsible for his hard heart? You have a verse or two that says Pharaoh hardened his heart. You have more verses that say that God hardened his heart. If it was God who hardened his heart, somebody could say God is nasty and mean and he's the one 
who caused Pharaoh to have a hard heart. Therefore, God is responsible for this man's death and for the destruction in Egypt. That's what some critics could say if God alone was responsible for him having a hard If God made him a, a checker piece on a board and Pharaoh had no choice in the matter, God is evil, God is mean, God is the cause of all sin and destruction in this world. That's how some people can interpret this. However, if Pharaoh, his heart was hard because of his own choice, then Pharaoh bears responsibility. So you see, this is what is happening here, and this is how people can take this. You have to have a balance of understanding scriptures to see it was his responsibility, but God hardened his heart. Because the Bible says so. Imagine that, God hardening somebody's heart so that they die. That to us seems so unkind or so cruel if you don't look a little bit further. Now go back to Exodus chapter 3. I want you to see something. Exodus chapter 3. At the burning bush, remember, when the Lord confronted Moses and called Moses to go back to Egypt, and confront the Pharaoh in Exodus 3 verse number 19 he told Moses these words 319 and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go no not by a mighty hand verse 20 and I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders which I will do in the midst thereof and after that he will let you go now that is to say beforehand that the Pharaoh would not let the people go. He told Moses from the very beginning. It's almost like saying, okay, I'm, I'm playing a game here, God. Well, was God really playing a game? Was God being cruel? Was he a cruel maestro? Was he a cruel conductor of this grand orchestra in the deliverance of the Hebrews from Egypt? What's going on here? Well, it does say God told him, He's not going to let you go. No matter what I do, he's not going to let my people go. and But he will eventually. But I'm going to harden his heart. Now, chapter 4. Go back to chapter 4. It's kind of good to look at the Bible verse to get some clarity here, rather than just some guesses. Exodus chapter 4, verse number 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return unto Egypt... See that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden. Chapter 7. Look at verses 1 through 4. That one we say, that's not fair. Then we would say, well, who are we to say that's not fair? Who are we to say that's not fair? We do say that though. That's so wrong. You ever see people interviewed on the streets? Uh, do you believe in Christ? No, I don't believe in that. Why not? Oh, because he's the, if God is real, how come there's so much evil and all those arguments come out again? All based on this thing about, for example, God hardened his heart. Well, if God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart, then Pharaoh would not have to die. First of all, would not have to die. All the plagues would not have happened. All the destruction was avoidable. That is how the thinking goes. Is it possible? Is it possible that Pharaoh is also responsible? He was also responsible. 
No, no. Um, anyway, I want to get to this verse before I get to more explanation about that. Chapter 9 of Exodus. Exodus is a big book. It has all kind of verses about many issues, and we should take time to do some examining of some of these verses about some of these problems. Exodus chapter 9, verse number 15. Back up to verse 13, 9, 13. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Verse 14. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, that thou mayst know. Remember Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord God? I don't know him. At the very beginning, remember that? Now he says that, Thou, Pharaoh, mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. Well, that is a purpose as to why the plagues happened. That's a purpose why his heart was hardened. Verse 15. For now I will stretch out my hand, that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. Verse 16. And in very deed, for this cause, here's the reason I hardened his heart. Believe it or not. And for in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up. I have raised you up, Pharaoh, to show in thee my power, that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. As yet exaltest thou thyself against my people, that thou wilt not let them go. So very plainly, hard to say, wait a minute. God actually hardened his heart. God says, here's the reason why I hardened his heart. That I may be exalted. This is the cause. The purpose of all of this is for God to be glorified. Now, he got, listen, God could have instantly vaporized Pharaoh and everything about Egypt so that the people can go out pretty easy. Would you say that would be true? He could have done that. He chose instead to do another route. And by choosing to do another route, the plagues, God eventually received glory for that. And there's a real contrast demonstrated. The great God and all of these false gods. And all those plagues were to attack the false gods of Egypt. Demonstrated without any doubt by evidence, by proof before their very eyes in living color. CNN, ABC, all the networks were there by satellite viewing these. The whole world saw I just made that part up. Everyone saw that God was the great God. Remember there was another contest before, uh, after this in the book of 2 Kings? There's another contest. Remember that? Now God could have easily proved to the Baalite priest he's a true God. But he did another route to prove that he was to all the Baalite priests and to Elijah too and for us to read and say oh yes, yes, that's true. Elijah and the prophets of Baal and Mount Carmel. So that's another time in which he did something, something we would not have chosen to do. He could have done it quickly, more simple, save a lot of money or resources, as they call it, and a lot of expense, a lot of water, <laughs> save a lot of water, and a lot of drama, a lot of blood was shed on the behalf of the Baalite priest. All of that was to be, okay, I want to prove to you once and for all it's me not 
you folks. So that's kind of like what's going on here. But he did say that this is to be bringing glory to me. It's putting down, so I'm lifted up. How strange is that to our human minds? God puts some people down, some things down, so he can be lifted up. Now, when we put things down and people down for us to be lifted up, that's pride, that's wrong. We step on people to jump over that and promote ourselves by, by putting someone down for us to be exalted, that's wrong. That's like being a Haman. That's like being a Haman. See, that's wrong. And uh, it happens so much in life. But when God does it, I'll show you a verse in the New Testament where when God does something that's really un or inconceivable to our thinking, you know that it was the right thing for God to do because he had the right to do that. There's a verse I'm going to show you in just a little bit, even though we think this is so wrong. So who hardened Pharaoh's heart? God did. Who also hardened Pharaoh's heart? Well, from the verse that we looked at, he hardened his heart. So he hardened his heart, God hardened his heart. Maybe it was because his heart was already hardened, God just worked with that hard heart. Okay? So the option that God chose was to prove in a very graphic way that he is the God of all gods. Now come to 2 Thessalonians in the New Testament. Adding to this for clarity and explanation, we have what Paul said about the Antichrist coming in the tribulation. And here's some scripture that helps us to see that this could shed light upon why God hardened Pharaoh's heart. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Beginning in verse number 10, Antichrist will come, Paul says, it'll be with great deceivableness, miraculous things will take place. The world will be deceived. But look at chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, verse number 10. Uh, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, what cause? The fact that initially they did not love to receive the truth. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Well, the strong delusion would come in the tribulation because the people themselves already, already did not believe that they should believe a lie. So they believe a lie instead. They could have believed the truth. But they chose not to, and God, paraphrasing, and God says, okay, I've given you so many opportunities to believe the gospel. You've heard it so many times. You've had the Bible in America and the rest of the world, especially in America, and you've heard the truth, and you have rejected the truth. You have denied my existence. You've denied uh, the gospel. You've denied the scriptures. You've made fun of it. You've found fault with it. You've discredited it, and you believe the scholars who discredit the truth, and therefore, I'm going to allow you to be deceived by the devil himself, that they should believe a lie. Verse 12, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth. So the responsibility, the fault God puts on people for believing a lie is that they themselves are at fault. They believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So we have to think this through. Maybe we can't think it through all today, but we think this through, 
Pharaoh's heart was already hardened. It got harder and harder and harder. God says, okay, you want to play like that? Okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. And so that is some way of explaining who hardened Pharaoh's heart. He hardened his own heart. God added to that, and he hardened his heart until he died. Now, uh, like the world already rejected the truth, Pharaoh already had a hard heart from the beginning. He had animosity from the very beginning. From the very beginning, he had animosity. From the very beginning, he had resentment toward them. And he was really stubborn, wasn't he? Very stubborn. And so they're open to deception in the book of Thessalonians. And Pharaoh's open to judgment, continual judgment, until the first point out and until he died. So God gave them up. And so that applies to Pharaoh. Now, I also want you to see that Pharaoh confessed he was responsible for his hard heart. We've seen very plainly from the verses that God says, I will harden his heart, and he certainly did. And chapter, chapter 9 of Exodus, go back again, chapter 9 of Exodus. When hail and fire came down, what a, what a sight that was. When hail and fire fell, fire ran on the ground and hail fell destroyed everything Exodus chapter 9 and come to verse 27 well let's get some context verse number 20 22 22 down through 27 22 and the Lord said unto Moses stretch forth now uh, stretch forth thine hand toward heaven that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt now God could have used uh, could have bypassed Moses raising his hand and then he could have sent it by himself without Moses help but Moses wasn't really helping Moses was just told to do this and Moses did that uh, and then the hail came down and the fire came down it's kind of odd how God uses people to do something March around Jericho seven times on the seventh day. March seven times and then shout the sword, uh, shout and then the walls come down. Well, why would they have to march around Jericho for the walls to come down? God could have just and it came down, but He wanted obedience. He wanted obedience before He did what He could already do without our obedience. But He chose to use us who obeyed, and He chose to use Moses. Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, and then verse twenty-three. And Moses stretched forth his hand rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and which makes you think, if you did stretch his hand, would the hail and thunder come down? <laughs> That'd be pretty interesting to figure out. When you get to heaven, would you ask the Lord, now Lord, if Moses did not raise his arm, his rod toward heaven, would you have sent that down? What if Moses refused to do that? You ever think about that? What if Moses said, I don't see why I have to raise my sword up, my, my, my rod up there. What's that got to do anything, Lord? It's like barking at the moon. It's useless. Well, he may have thought that, but nonetheless, he did do what God said to do. And fire ran along the ground, verse 23. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt, verse 24. So there was hail, and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. It'll happen again, though, this hail in the tribulation. Verse 25. And the hail smote throughout the land of Egypt that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field, and break every tree of the field. Well, that must have been some pretty powerful and heavy, big hail. If you ever uh, have been to the mainland when they have hailstorms, 
one day in Jackson, North Carolina, many decades ago, it rained and stormed and hail came down and Nancy's, uh, uh, Randy, Randy's dad, the house that they lived in there on 7 Victoria Road, they had, I think, a, a tin or aluminum roof, a garage, and when the hail came down, you could hear it. Boom, boom, boom. It went, and then, of course, hail will damage your car, break windshield, and things like that, and dent your car. It's just like that. And that was just small hail, ice falling from the ground, from the sky. Can you imagine hail the size of baseballs? The velocity it picks up coming down from above, and the force it has. Destructive. But fire? Look at verse 26. Only in the land of Goshen. Ha, ha, ha. Only the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hell. Now, Goshen, remember, was given to Joseph and his kin by the favor of the Pharaoh at the time. This is choice land. This is the best fertile land. And in that land, God's people were immune from COVID-19. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, uh, they're, <laughs> they're immune from the, the plagues. Verse 27, And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses. Here it comes, watch carefully. And said unto them, I have sinned this time. Now, him saying, I have sinned, he did confess it's because of my hard heart that this has happened to this point. I have sinned. So I look at that as a concession, as a, as a confession that he took responsibility, even though his repentance was not very, very, very sincere. Pharaoh often repented of his repentance. Pharaoh was a double-minded man in all his ways. He repented of his repentance so many times and uh, got to the place eventually where Moses says, you know what? Stop playing this game with me. You said this before. You said this in the previous play. You said you can let us go and you never, you change your mind. Every time you get relief, you, got, you change your mind. You're not really sincerely repenting of your, of your heart's attitude, your hard heart. And so uh, God further hardened his heart. And in chapter 10, verse number 16, he repeated his repentance. 10, 16. The locusts came. Oh, boy. The sky became dark because of the locusts. Billions of locusts darkened the sky. 10, 16. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste, and he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee, my sins. Stop there. Twice now he said, it's my fault all this is happening. It's my fault my heart is hard. Okay, now let's go to that New Testament verse I promised to show to you that gives us a lot of explanation about why these things took place and how we can try to understand from God's viewpoint why he hardened Pharaoh's heart. Turn to Romans chapter 9. Don't let someone confuse you and get you doubting the Bible and doubting God because there's some things that's hard to understand. God further hardened his already hard heart. Well, God is me. He caused the destruction of all this property, all this produce, and all these people. Well, don't be so quick to judge God for doing something that you think is cruel. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 talks about several important things in the Hebrew history for us to see as New Testament Christians. He says that God has made some choices. He chose things that were un, or illogical. 
He chose the younger, the older, the elder to serve the younger. He chose Jacob over Esau. Well, that's not fair. He wasn't the firstborn. Well, that's the argument in chapter 9. And then come down to verse number, chapter 9 of Romans, verse number 10. Not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by her father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, that's important to note, the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. And the reason he gave for verse 12 is verse 11. God in his own mind and his own purpose chose, he elected this to take place. Now, don't let the word election scare you because election has, along with that word, predestination. But now, look, don't be afraid. That is to simply say God has the privilege, the prerogative, and the right to do what he wants to do because he's God. It does not talk about personal salvation here. So this is where people get spooked. Oh, I'm not elected because... No, no, that's not talking about salvation. It's talking about what God did through certain personalities throughout the history of the Hebrew nation. God chose the younger over the elder. God chose Israel because they're a small country, not because they're a powerful country. Out of all the countries, he chose them. That's his prerogative, okay? <laughs> he elected them. We cannot say, I don't understand that. Well, we can, but even if we don't understand this, it is what the Bible says. God in eternity elected Israel. God in turn elected the younger uh, to rule over the elder. And then in verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Well, this now just makes it worse, doesn't it? We now have the word love there. You mean to tell me God loves someone more than somebody else? Well, according to this verse, he does. <laughs> Again, our nature is such that we get so, we're so quickly to, to criticize what the Bible says. We're so quick to do that. We're so quick to just jump the gun and come to a conclusion without doing some, some searching. Now, we're going to come to the answer of all of these things. Verse 14, what shall we say then? Well, I know what we're going to say. God's not fair. What shall we say then? Verse 14, watch carefully, watch very carefully, watch very carefully, what shall we say then? I mean, really watch carefully. I mean, really look carefully at the words. Verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Is there unrighteousness with God? Is Can you actually find fault with God, criticize Him, and it sticks? Can you accuse Him of being unfair, and it sticks? Can you accuse Him of being prejudiced, and it sticks? Can you accuse him of favoritism and it sticks? That's what the question is here. Is God therefore unright is is there therefore is there unrighteousness with God? That is the accusation. And then the answer Paul gives is this, God forbid. <laughs> no is the answer. No. Though 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 it seems like you think, it is not what you think. Now look at verse 15. For he saith unto Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Why can you say that? Because he's God. <laughs> and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Because it's unfair. No, that's what we think. It's because God is God. I know sometimes it's hard to process, hard to digest. But this is the explanation. 
Verse 16, so then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith, verse 17, unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up. What? What? Are you kidding? As we sometimes say, really? With a raised what? Really? Really? For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up. Pharaoh, I brought you to Egypt. You're not an Egyptian, but I brought you here. You're the big man now. That I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. <clears throat> Pharaoh, Pharaoh, the scripture says to him, you're not here because you're, you've conquered Egypt, and now you're installed as the new king over Egypt, you stranger you. And you don't have, it wasn't your ingenuity that made it uh, so hard for the Hebrews to make brick without straw, and so, and so on. It wasn't you who had this idea to kill the baby boys. I mean, you you thought it up, but uh, all of this was going on according to my, my plan. Uh, you came to power because I let you come to power. Isn't that true? There's a verse in the Psalms where promotion cometh not from east or from north, but from God, from above. That's true. And in this context, God raised him up. God allowed him to be there so that he could put him down. Wait, wait a minute. This is not saying, once again, this is not saying he was a puppet, he was a checker piece on a checkerboard. No, this is not a game he was playing. Because we saw twice Pharaoh said, I have sinned. So he took responsibility of his own hard heart. But God <coughs> says, you know, I'm going to prove to you because I can and I will for the whole world from not just that generation, but for generations to come, I am the Lord God Almighty. Verse 18, wherefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy because he's God and whom he will harden because he's God. Now, I hope you can see, I hope you can see the election of Pharaoh being that Pharaoh and doing the plagues and hardening his heart was his prerogative and his choice so that he could be glorified. So it is not just God being mean. It is not God along Mussolini, Hitler, um, and other dictators, Mao Zedong and uh, Castro coming into it. It's not that he is the cause of many millions of people dying. It wasn't just that. People were evil to begin. And somehow through all of these things in human history, glory, the glory to God will redound. It'll happen. Hard to understand, but the scripture reveals to us some things that is beyond our thinking. Okay? So Pharaoh did say it was his fault. God said, I harden his heart. Both work together. And so, you could also carry out that thought. If God was responsible for the suffering and the death of many people, we would also have to say that Jesus' suffering and death was God's responsibility. Yet, it was part of that master plan for our eternal salvation. Somebody who says, well, God is the author of poverty. God's the author of all the crime and looting in San Francisco and other liberal cities and all these sanctuary cities. It is God's fault. He is the one. No, no, no. No, no. That's short-sighted thinking. That is short-sighted thinking. And so you have to look at Romans 9 to help clarify what God has done in human history, especially specifically about the Pharaoh. So he says, I'm not unrighteous when something bad happens. You always take this, you always take this, this way of thinking. When you cannot understand what has happened, 
you take this stance, whatever happened, God is righteous. Job's friends, Job's friends, Job's wife, Job's friends, neighbors, everyone could have said, Job was such a good man. But look what God did to him. God is so cruel. Well, that'd be the short-sighted understanding of things. But there was something going on behind the scenes. And God would get glory from this. And Job would be blessed more than ever when it was all over. So there was a purpose to all of that. Okay? Hard to see sometimes. Hard to understand why God would allow His only begotten Son to come to the cross and suffer the brutality and cruelty and the physical abuse and the emotional distress He went through. But in the end, salvation was brought to us. So sometimes what we see and perceive is not always the accurate conclusion and interpretation. The Bible will have the answer. And Romans 9 is very clear as to why God hardened Pharaoh's heart. His heart was hardened. He hardened his heart. And so that is the answer. So next week, I'd like to get into the details of the plagues because there's a lot to learn about these plagues. Some of the plagues will be repeated in the tribulation. We'll talk about those next Sunday at 9.30. Okay? So, who hardened his heart? Pharaoh hardened his heart. Did God harden his heart? Yes. Is God unjust? No. Is God cruel? No. Is God evil? No. Should you believe in God even though you don't understand some things? Yes. Do people have a legitimate excuse to not believe in God because there's evil in this world? No. No. Bad things happen to people? God's fault? No. No. Somehow Romans 8, 28 will be fulfilled. Okay? All right, let's take a short break. <clears throat>